Hi, welcome to the Mama Advocate Podcast. This is a safe place for adoptive and special needs mamas to feel less alone and find community amidst their unconventional journeys. Here, you're going to find authentic conversations for me and my guest who are parenting fully in the weeds with you. Our goal is to empower and encourage you to be the best mama you can be as you advocate for your people. Okay. Amy, I'm so excited that you're here with me today. Do you mind telling everybody who you are and all the goodness about you? Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Um, I'm Amy J. Brown, and I am a writer and a podcaster. I'm the co-host of the podcast, Take Heart Special Moms for Special Needs Moms. Um, I am a mom to six. I have pretty much run the gamut of, um, I have three biological kids, three adopted kids. Um, two of my children have reactive attachment disorder. One has fetal alcohol. I'm also a transracial adopted mom. Um, my kids now range in age from, okay, I'm gonna see if I get this right, 28 to 15. So um, yeah, that's what I am. And I, I write um, to encourage special needs moms, particularly moms of kids that have fetal alcohol and attachment disorder and kind of invisible disabilities. Which is exactly why I love you so much because you're <laughs> just one one little decade ahead of me, I feel like. And that's, it's special when you find that. So I'm so grateful for you. Now, I wanted to have you on today because I feel like so many of us, like we just struggle with mom guilt in general, mm-hmm. but then taking that a step further of having special buddies and maybe people not understanding what's going on. I mean, especially with our children, I feel like the invisible disability is hard. People kind of stare you down and give you looks as to why is your child doing that? And they, you know, they may call CPS on you or do crazy things like that. And so um, I feel like I've especially had to just struggle through this of like, how do I, like, am I, is it me? Am I not doing a great job as a mom? Like, what does this look like? And so I heard your talk about guilt the other day on your podcast. And it was such a blessing to me just to hear how we can kind of change our narrative so that we're not putting all of that on us. So all that to say, we are talking about guilt today and I want to kind of know how you've processed through mom guilt and how you kind of come out on the other side of that. Okay. Well, first of all, let me say that, um, like I said, I have 28 years of mom guilt <laughs> and, um, I think it's a really common emotion. Um, but one of the things that I've thought a lot about, and this is, these are not my words, these are Brene Brown's words. We all have guilt about things we do. You know, you forget, I've forgotten to pick a kid up and you feel bad or you forget an appointment little, you know, those are things. And sometimes we lose it and we lose it and we lose our temper. Those are things we do. And that's when we do something wrong, we apologize. But there's a difference between guilt and shame. Shame is when, guilt's when we've done something wrong. Shame is when we think we are the person that is wrong. Like there's something mm-hmm. wrong with us that we're not enough. And I, and I, I think with moms of kids that have, in, have these invisible disabilities, there's no like straight shot. You do this one thing and it's all better. So if we're constantly um, looking at ourselves, like maybe it's me that's wrong. Um, I have, a, I have a, an example of that, that um, I was, and I mentioned this on the podcast, I used to, I have six kids. So one of my, I was, I picked up one of my kids. I was like, there was a group of moms talking. They were talking about another mom. <laughs> I bet you know where this is going. <laughs> they, um, they were saying things like that mom is never here. Her kid is out of control. It's probably because the mom is never here. And she, you know, and I overheard this whole conversation about this mom with this out of control child and the mom never showed up to swim in gym and all this. And I, that was my kid. And um, I was that mom. And 
I felt um, immediately in a guilt shame spiral that stepping back, I realized that they didn't know the whole story. They didn't know I'm a mom of six. And when you're a mom of a lot of kids, as you know, you delegate who picks people up because you need to be in other places. <laughs> they didn't know that she had a hidden disability, that she had reactive attachment disorder and fetal alcohol syndrome. They didn't know the whole story. So one of the things that I think is important for us as moms is to say, are you telling yourself the whole story? If, you, if you're in a situation where you're like, I'm the worst mom and this happened, well, wait a minute, back up. Maybe you're not, we tell ourselves a narrative that is not always true. So one of the things that has helped me a lot is to retell a story in that situation. Of course, I did shame spiral. It was a long time ago in which I just thought, you know, I'm not here and she's, she's acting terribly and they all think I'm a bad mom. But then I started saying, wait a minute, here's the truth of the story. I'm not here because of this. She's acting this way because of this. So that's kind of a practice I do. I, I say what happened, what it made me feel like, and what actually happened, the truth of the matter. And that has helped me reframe a lot of narratives in my mind. Um, and I will say that it works because just this morning I had, I won't share what it is, I had a really hard situation with a kid. And I did not go to that shame spiral. I actually said, Amy, you're doing the best you can. You've given all the right tools. And I, I kind of left it at that and with God. And I cannot tell you, <laughs> that's like not being able to walk and then finally being able to walk. That has been such a huge, helpful practice in my life. I love that so much. When I heard that story on the podcast, it, I mean, that's happened to me, I'm sure a million times. Cause I'm like, I don't drop my kids off at school. I have my husband do that. I don't pick my kids up from school. I have a babysitter do that and take them to therapy. And I know that teachers never see me. And then they see these kids that have all these behavior problems. And I was like, that's me They're talking about me. And it made me want to like jump down their throats and be like, look, you don't even understand. Right. Really not the white right way to respond. But I found that kind of that same process of like, they're not seeing the whole picture. And if I could just sit down and not that I need to go convince everyone of anything, but like, if I were to have a conversation with them, surely they would see the, the other side of it. And it's grown me in compassion towards others. And, um, I, I remember just a couple of weeks ago, we were out camping and we were on a hike and there was this kid who was, uh, complaining, like screaming bloody murder because, her socks got wet. Mm -hmm. And I remember I'm like a while ago, like several years ago, I probably been so judgmental towards those parents who had like spoiled this child and been, I'm like, surely they always cater to whatever she wants. And that's why she can't even go on this hike because I realize how that sounds. But on this other side of things, I'm like, oh, that sweet girl, she's having a really hard time. And she, you know, must have some sensory things going on. And I was just able to totally flip the tables. And it was kind of that moment of like, that's how I used to be too. I used to be that snippy person that was so quick to judge. And um, clearly that's not a great way to be, but it's just the retelling the story has also grown my compassion towards others as well. And, and to myself, which is beautiful. Yeah. And I would say something you said earlier, like not that we have to convince everybody. I think we need to take that piece there too. Like I used to feel like I needed this big, huge PowerPoint. Mm -hmm. And there are mm -hmm. times when you need to explain because it's going to make maybe the path better for your child. But if we could let go of, we want people to understand so they won't judge us. But if we can let go of that and maybe spend our energy on having self-compassion and retelling our story. And also who does God say we are really, you know, and taking it to him. 
if I, if I, if I had all the energy bottled that I used to try to justify and get people to get what's going on and put it somewhere else, I probably would be <laughs> better off. <laughs> so now on the same note, like I, I, I mean, this is kind of jumping off guard here, but or off topic. Um, I felt like that so much of like, I shouldn't have to explain my kids. Right. And I, at the same time, had this person at school calling CPS on us because they saw my daughter's behavior. And so automatically they assume that she's not being fed because she's eating food off the floor and assume that she's being neglected at home, which is kind of humorous. And as the CPS walk, like walked into our house and saw our house, they're like, oh, this is ridiculous. Okay. She's fine. There's plenty of food. She's not neglected, like whatever. But <laughs> I felt so angry at this woman for even thinking that about us. And I don't know. So like to your point though, of like not needing to explain it to everybody. And I struggled with that with my counselor too. Cause she's like, maybe you should inform them. And I'm like, I shouldn't have to, they shouldn't assume that I'm neglecting my child. Like that should not be the assumption we're going off of here. And I don't know. So I've come to kind of the sweet spot of caregivers, mandated reporters who are going to have care of my child. Um, and be able to make those calls that could have all of our children taken away because of their opinion. This is a whole nother soapbox. I'm so sorry to enter this with you, but um, I've made it like packets for parents or for teachers and for school people this year of explaining FASD, explaining some of the behaviors that they might see and, and helping paint a picture of what's really going on instead of whatever they're going to make up between her eating off the floor and me never picking her up, you know? Yeah, so exactly. I don't know. When you said that, I was like, yeah, but there is a space to kind of do both. So it's kind of finding that fine line of. Well, I think there's a space, but when this, when all your energy is taken up on the lady at church who gives you a dirty look and you're oh, like, no. you understand me, we need to step away from that. And I think as moms, there's so many expectations on us. And I would say too, to that as special needs moms or moms of large families, I mean, I call this the mother Teresa complex. People are like, oh, I couldn't do what you did. You're so patient. Like, like that makes me go, okay, now I'm never going to tell you that I'm struggling. <laughs> and now I'm going to be even more guilty when I do lose it, which I have. <laughs> because yeah. everyone thinks I'm this one thing. And it's not like I'm trying to be fake, but people just put this perception of you. So sometimes we have to think who needs that information, like you mm -hmm. said. And also I try to give grace when I can, when I'm in a better frame of mind to those people, because sometimes I can't understand what's going on in my house. Yeah. Like, like what is willful behavior? What is not? Like, I don't even know half the time. And so I can't expect somebody who doesn't live here to have any kind of picture of what this is like. Um, but I guess what I want to say is that just the energy that goes into justifying what we're doing or feeling guilt, if that takes us down a shame hole where we feel less than or we have a magnifying glass on every single thing we've done. Um, and I will tell you one situation that I have that frequently is when I hear of another kid with FAS and RAD, all of a sudden like, oh, they're great. They're graduated from college. They're going to be the president of this. And I'm just thinking to myself, why is this kid doing okay? I mean, I, did I miss something? Like I will start my, I'll get out my big old magnifying glass. What did I miss? But that's not helpful. That doesn't take me anywhere that grows me and, and gives me peace and gives me rest. It just doesn't. So I think that's something we have to be careful of is that whole comparison trap. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there are kids that are going to, you know, there are, there's different severities of FAS and the kids, some kids are going to 
go to college and some kids aren't. And it's just, we can't compare. And I think sometimes comparison will make me jealous, but oftentimes it'll make me feel guilt. And just yesterday we were talking about jealousy on the podcast we were recording and it struck me on my, one of my um, podcast co-hosts said, I think when we're feeling guilt and jealousy and all those feelings, maybe we're really grieving. Yeah. Maybe we need to say, what am I grieving here? I'm grieving that I have to even have this conversation with CPS, that I can't just have a normal Wednesday, you know? And I thought that was a good point that I hadn't thought of before when it comes to mom guilt. Cause a lot, I think a lot of it's what we're grieving. I love that perspective. Yeah. I love that. I didn't even think about that until she said that. So yeah. This is why I adore you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> There's not many people who I feel like you could come into our home and not judge us at all and not like, have any. When I mentor we, moms that have kids, my first thing I say is there is nothing you can tell me that I either have not experienced or heard and I won't judge because it's, it's in this space with moms that like understand the kid eating. I, mean, I think I told you my daughter told the entire school that because she, she picked out all her hair, A, that she had cancer and B, that we weren't feeding her and she was a foster child. The oh. old ladies were giving her Pop-Tarts and chocolate milk every morning, which I still don't understand why that's a thing at school. <laughs> Pop-Tarts and chocolate milk for breakfast. Yes. I just happened to be walking in to talk to her teacher and busted her walking down the hall with her Pop-Tart. Like, <laughs> and there was this whole narrative around us because they didn't know us. And it's funny now, but at the time, oh, it was not funny. <laughs> no. <laughs> My kids did that for a while because they learned that teachers would give them things at school. And so they'd say, we didn't eat breakfast. We don't eat breakfast at our house. Mm -hmm. What to say about that? (laughs) (sighs) Anyway, I'm just so grateful. I know that you and I are talking about a lot of FASD and a lot of trauma and a lot of different things that are kind of unique to our situation. But I think that this across the board is like, depending on the severity of your Downs kid or depending on the severity of whatever you have, it's easy to look at other people and, and, kind of judge yourself and compare yourself and feel guilty for what you are or not doing you know and so like I kind of I just want us all to take a deep breath and just be okay with you are exactly who I mean you're exactly who God needed right for these babies to be their mama right and just the beauty of that and that though I feel like I'm continually screwing it up and surely I'm not the best thing for them. Like that, I'm still who God chose. And so I don't know where I was going with that, but I, I just want us to be okay with who we are and be firm in that. And then if people start bad mouthing you, you can call me up and I'll beat them up. (laughs) I will not put up with that. And I would say too, that I wish I could say, okay, here's the one fix, do this one thing, but this is a daily practice. It's like a practice gratitude of learning to say, this is who I am in God this is my story and God placed me here. And it's a daily practice. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say I never feel guilt because I do. Um, but I think, I think it's, it's like a rate, it's like a track in our head. And if we learn to jump the tracks a little bit and just start retraining that, that thinking, I, it makes a huge difference. It makes a huge difference in how we see things. Cause honestly, it guilt eats up a lot of my time <laughs> and shame eats up a lot of your it doesn't let you be who you need to, who God needs you to be. And so if we can, you know, change the mindset and 
it is possible. I think that would just free us up a lot. Not that we'd never feel it, but it is a daily practice. And some things are going to trigger more than others, you know, because there are certain parts of all of us. Like I kind of get that way with siblings. When I hear a sibling go, I didn't remember you weren't there because blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> and so there are certain things that trigger us than others, but I just, you know, just want your special needs mom is to know that you are exactly who God needs you to be. And he um, delights in over you with singing and he knew you were the right mom for these kids. And I believe that with all my heart. Amen. Amy, thank you. I'm grateful for you. Oh, I'm grateful for you. Thank you so much for having me. You're so welcome. All right. You're wonderful. Thank you. Okay. Amy, I'm so excited that you're here with me today. Do you mind telling everybody who you are and all the goodness about you? Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Um, I'm Amy J. Brown, and I am a writer and a podcaster. I'm the co-host of the podcast, Take Heart Special Moms for Special Needs Moms. Um, I am a mom to six. I have pretty much run the gamut of... Um, I have three biological kids, three adopted kids. Um, two of my children have reactive attachment disorder. One has fetal alcohol. I'm also a transracial adopted mom. Um, my kids now range in age from, okay, let's see if I get this right, 28 to 15. So um, yeah, that's what I am. And I, I write um, to encourage special needs moms, particularly moms of kids that have fetal alcohol and attachment disorder and kind of invisible disabilities. Which is exactly why I love you so much because you're just one, one little decade ahead of me, I feel like. And that's, it's special when you find that. So I'm so grateful for you. Now, I wanted to have you on today because I feel like so many of us, like we just struggle with mom guilt in general, mm -hmm. but then taking that a step further of having special buddies and maybe people not understanding what's going on. I mean, especially with our children, I feel like the invisible disability is hard people kind of stare you down and give you looks as to why is your child doing that? And they, you know, they may call CPS on you or do crazy things like that. And so um, I feel like I've especially had to just struggle through this. of like, how do I, like, am I, is it me? Am I not doing a great job as a mom? Like, what does this look like? And so I heard your talk about guilt the other day on your podcast. And it was such a blessing to me just to hear how, we can kind of change our narrative so that we're not putting all of that on us. So all that to say, we're talking about guilt today and I want to kind of know how you've processed through mom guilt and how you kind of come out on the other side of that. Okay. Well, first of all, let me say that, um, like I said, I have 28 years of mom guilt <laughs> and um, I think it's a really common emotion. Um, but one of the things that I've thought a lot about, and this, these are not my words, these are Brene Brown's words, we all have guilt about things we do. You know, you forget, I've forgotten to pick a kid up and you feel bad or you forget an appointment. Little, you know, those are things, and sometimes we lose it, we lose it and we lose our temper. Those are things we do. And that's when we do something wrong, we apologize. But there's a difference between guilt and shame. Shame is when, guilt's when we've done something wrong. Shame is when we think we are the person that is wrong. Like there's something mm -hmm. wrong with us that we're not enough. And I, and I, I think with moms of kids that have, in, have these invisible disabilities, there's no like straight shot. You do this one thing and it's all better. So we're constantly um, looking at ourselves like maybe it's me that's wrong. 
um, I have a, I have a, an example of that, that um, I was, and I mentioned this on the podcast, I used to, I have six kids. So one of my, I was, I picked up one of my kids. I was like, there was a group of moms talking. They were talking about another mom. <laughs> I bet you know where this is going. <laughs> they were saying things like that mom is never here. Her kid is out of control. It's probably because the mom is never here. And she, you know, and I overheard this whole conversation about this mom with this out of control child and the mom never showed up to swim in gym and all this. And I, that was my kid. And um, I was that mom and I felt uh, immediately in a guilt shame spiral that stepping back, I realized that they didn't know the whole story. They didn't know I'm a mom of six. And when you're a mom of a lot of kids, as you know, you delegate who picks people up because you need to be in other places. <laughs> They didn't know that she had a hidden disability, that she had reactive attachment disorder and fetal alcohol syndrome. They didn't know the whole story. So one of the things that I think is important for us as moms is to say, are you telling yourself the whole story? If, you, if you're in a situation where you're like, I'm the worst mom and this happened, well, wait a minute, back up. Maybe you're not, we tell ourselves a narrative that is not always true. So one of the things that has helped me a lot is to retell a story in that situation. Of course, I did shame spiral. It was a long time ago in which I just thought, you know, I'm not here and she's, she's acting terribly and they all think I'm a bad mom. But then I started saying, wait a minute, here's the truth of the story. I'm not here because of this. She's acting this way because of this. So that's kind of a practice I do. I, I say what happened, what it made me feel like and what actually happened, the truth of the matter. And that has helped me reframe a lot of narratives in my mind. Um, and I will say that it works because just this morning I had, I won't share what it is, I had a really hard situation with a kid and I did not go to that shame spiral. I actually said, Amy, you're doing the best you can. You've given all the right tools. And I, I kind of left it at that and with God and I cannot tell you, <laughs> that's like not being able to walk and then finally being able to walk. That has been such a huge, helpful practice in my life. I love that so much. When I heard that story on the podcast, it, I mean, that's happened to me, I'm sure a million times. Cause I'm like, I don't drop my kids off at school. I have my husband do that. I don't pick my kids up from school. I have a babysitter do that and take them to therapy. And I know that teachers never see me. And then they see these kids that have all these behavior problems. And I was like, that's me They're talking about me. And it made me want to like jump down their throats and be like, look, you don't even understand. Right. Really not the white right way to respond. But I found that kind of that same process of like, they're not seeing the whole picture. And if I could just sit down and not that I need to go convince everyone of anything, but like, if I were to have a conversation with them, surely they would see the, the other side of it. And it's grown me in compassion towards others. And, um, I, I remember just a couple of weeks ago, we were out camping and we were on a hike and there was this kid who was, uh, complaining, like screaming bloody murder because, her socks got wet. Mm -hmm. And I remember I'm like a while ago, like several years ago, I probably been so judgmental towards those parents who had like spoiled this child and been, I'm like, surely they always cater to whatever she wants. And that's why she can't even go on this hike because I realize how that sounds. But on this other side of things, I'm like, oh, that sweet girl, she's having a really hard time. And she, you know, must have some sensory things going on. And I was just able to totally flip the tables. And it was kind of that moment of like, that's how I used to be too. I used to be that snippy person that was so quick to judge. And um, clearly that's not a great way to be, but it's just the retelling the story has also grown my compassion towards others as well. And, and to myself, which is beautiful. Yeah. 
And I would say something you said earlier, like not that we have to convince everybody. I think we need to take that piece there too. Like I used to feel like I needed this big, huge PowerPoint. Mm -hmm. And there are times Mm -hmm. when you need to explain because it's going to make maybe the path better for your child. But if we could let go of, we want people to understand so they won't judge us, but if we can let go of that and maybe spend our energy on having self-compassion and retelling our story. And also who does God say we are really, you know, and taking it to him. If I, if I, if I had all the energy bottled that I used to try to justify and get people to get what's going on and put it somewhere else, I probably would be <laughs> better off. <laughs> so now I'm going to say no, like I, I, I mean, this is kind of jumping off guard here, but or off topic. Um, I felt like that so much of like, I shouldn't have to explain my kids. Right. And I, at the same time, had this person at school calling CPS on us because they saw my daughter's behavior. And so automatically they assume that she's not being fed because she's eating food off the floor and assume that she's being neglected at home, which is kind of humorous. And as the CPS walk, like walked into our house and saw our house, they're like, oh, this is ridiculous. Okay. She's fine. There's plenty of food. She's not neglected, like whatever. But <laughs> I felt so angry at this woman for even thinking that about us. And I don't know. So like to your point though, of like not needing to explain it to everybody. And I struggled with that with my counselor too. Cause she was like, maybe you should inform them. And I'm like, I shouldn't have to, they shouldn't assume that I'm neglecting my child. Like that should not be the assumption we're going off of here. And I don't know. So I've come to kind of the sweet spot of caregivers, mandated reporters who are going to have care of my child. Um, and be able to make those calls that could have all of our children taken away because of their opinion. This is a whole nother soapbox. I'm so sorry to enter this with you, but um, I've made it like packets for parents or for teachers and for school people this year of explaining FASD, explaining some of the behaviors that they might see and, and helping paint a picture of what's really going on instead of whatever they're going to make up between her eating off the floor and me never picking her up, you know? So I don't know. When you said that, I was like, yeah, but there is a space to kind of do both. So it's kind of funny, that fine line of. Well, I think there's a all. space, but when this, when all your energy is taken up on the lady at church who gives you a dirty look and you're oh, like, no. you understand me, we need to step away from that. And I think as moms, there's so many expectations on us. And I would say too, to that as special needs moms or moms of large families, I mean, I call this the mother Teresa complex. People are like, oh, I couldn't do what you did. You're so patient. Like, like that makes me go, okay, now I'm never going to tell you that I'm struggling. <laughs> and now I'm going to be even more guilty when I do lose it, which I have. <laughs> because yeah. everyone thinks I'm this one thing. And it's not like I'm trying to be fake, but people just put this perception of you. So sometimes we have to think who needs that information, like you mm-hmm. said. And also I try to give grace when I can, when I'm in a better frame of mind to those people, because sometimes I can't understand what's going on in my house. Yeah. Like, like what is willful behavior? What is not? Like, I don't even know half the time. And so I can't expect somebody who doesn't live here to have any kind of picture of what this is like. Um, but I guess what I want to say is that just the energy that goes into justifying what we're doing or feeling guilt, if that takes us down a shame hole where we feel less than or we have a magnifying glass on every single thing we've done. Um, And I will tell you one situation that I have that frequently is when I hear of another kid with FAS and RAD, all of a sudden like, oh, they're great. They're 
graduate from college, you're going to be the president of this. And I'm just thinking to myself, why is this kid doing okay? I mean, I did I miss something? Like I will start my, I'll get out my big old magnifying glass. What did I miss? But that's not helpful. That doesn't take me anywhere that grows me and, and gives me peace and gives me rest. It just doesn't. So I think that's something we have to be careful of is that whole comparison trap. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are kids that are going to, you know, there are, there's different severities of FAS and the kids, some kids are going to go to college and some kids aren't. And it's just, we can't compare. And I think sometimes comparison will make me jealous, but oftentimes it'll make me feel guilt. And just yesterday we were talking about jealousy on the podcast we were recording and it struck me on my, one of my um, podcast co-hosts said, I think when we're feeling guilt and jealousy and all those feelings, maybe we're really grieving. Yeah. Maybe we need to say, what am I grieving here? I'm grieving that I have to even have this conversation with CPS, that I can't just have a normal Wednesday, you know? And I thought that was a good point that I hadn't thought of before when it comes to mom guilt. Because a lot, I think a lot of it's what we're grieving. I love that perspective. Yeah. I love that. I didn't even think about that until she said that. So, yeah. This is why I adore you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> There's not many people who I feel like you could come into our home and not judge us at all and not have any. When I mentor moms that have kids, my first thing I say is there is nothing you can tell me that I either have not experienced or heard and I won't judge because it's it's in this space with moms that like understand the kid eating. I think I told you my daughter told the entire school that because she picked out all her hair, A, that she had cancer and B, that we weren't feeding her and she was a foster child. The ladies were giving her Pop-Tarts and chocolate milk every morning, which I still don't understand why that's a thing at school. (laughs) Pop-Tarts and chocolate milk for breakfast. Yes. I just happened to be walking in to talk to her teacher and busted her walking down the hall with her Pop-Tart. And there was this whole narrative around us because they didn't know us. And it's funny now, but at the time, oh, it was not funny. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> my kids did that for a while because they learned that teachers would give them things at school and so they'd say we didn't eat breakfast we don't eat breakfast at our house I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> what to say about that <laughs> anyway I, I'm just so grateful I know that you and I are talking about a lot of FASD and a lot of trauma and a lot of different things that are kind of unique to our situation but I think that this across the board is like depending on the severity of your Downs kid or depending on the severity of whatever you have, it's easy to look at other people and, and kind of judge yourself and compare yourself and feel guilty for what you are or not doing, you know? And so like, I kind of, I just want us all to take a deep breath and just be okay with you are exactly who, I mean, you're exactly who God needed for these babies to be their mama. Right. And just the beauty of that. And that though I feel like I'm continually screwing it up and surely I'm not the best thing for them. Like that I'm still who God chose. And so I don't know where I was going with that, but I, I just want us to be okay with who we are and be firm in that. And then if people start bad mouthing you, you can call me up and I'll beat them up. Yeah. I'm, I right. will not put up with that. And I would think too, that I wish I could say, well, here's the one fix, do this one thing. But this is a daily practice. It's like a yes. practice gratitude of learning to say, this is who I am in God. This is my story and God placed me here. And it's a daily practice. Mm-hmm. And 
I'm not going to say I never feel guilt because I do. Um, but I think, I think it's, it's like a rate, it's like a track in our head. And if we learn to jump the tracks a little bit and just start retraining that, that thinking, I, it makes a huge difference. It makes a huge difference in how we see things. Cause honestly, it guilt eats up a lot of my time and <laughs> shame eats up a lot of your, it doesn't let you be who you need to, who God needs you to be. Yeah. And so if we can, you know, change the mindset and it is possible. I think that would just free us up a lot. Not that we'd never feel it, but it is a daily practice and some things are going to trigger more than others, you know, because there are certain parts of all of us. Like I kind of get that way with siblings. When I hear a sibling go, I didn't remember you weren't there because blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, Oh <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> and so there are certain things that trigger us than others, but I just, you know, just want your special needs mamas to know that you are exactly who God needs you to be. And he um, delights in over you with singing and he knew you were the right mom for these kids. And I believe that with all my heart. Amen. Amy, thank you. I'm grateful for you. Oh, I'm grateful for you. Thank you so much for having me. You're so welcome. All right. You're wonderful. Thank you.